0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary.
1: Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next is Ben Weber, co-founder and president of Humanize, a pioneer and a leader in the field of workplace analytics. Thanks for being here, Ben. Thanks for having me. I think our audience is already familiar with you and your work, uh, Ben, but please introduce yourself a bit further and give us a little of your background. Sure,
0: so like you said, I'm one of the co-founders of Humanize, which spun off the, the PhD research that a bunch of us were doing back at MIT, really around trying to use data about how people interact and collaborate at work. You can think you know, email, chat, meeting data, but also sensor data to understand Again, the patterns of collaboration, how tight-knit are teams, how much do they reach out to other parts of the organization, and then how does that relate to outcomes? Could be a turnover, performance, what have you. And so over the years, we've collected more and more data from more and more companies around how work happens. You know, And at this point, we really have this globally representative data set, at least for you know information workers at large companies around how work happens. And so it's been fascinating to see that, sure, not only can we understand Really, what drives results at single companies, but then seeing what are the broader trends and, and how are how are things changing at work more globally uh, has certainly been quite interesting to see, um, especially obviously over the last year, year and a half.
1: Exactly. Ben, I understand that Humanize recently conducted a survey on the impact of the pandemic on employees and sentiment around returning to the office. Those are hot topics right now. So according to those survey results. How important do you think it will be for companies to adapt to the hybrid work model that we're hearing so much about now and beyond that?
0: yeah, this is what was extremely interesting because oh, a lot of people will will think about what we do at humanize and say, "Oh well, that means you don't you don't think surveys are important and no actually they are still quite important because behavioral data doesn't tell you how people are actually feeling. they tell you what is what happens in the real world how what are the behaviors but then you know, really to understand what underlies that again this is where surveys are helpful and, and this is also where you know when we did the survey it was quite you know, interesting you know how some of these these perceptions and i guess desires meshed or didn't really with a lot of the behavioral patterns that we saw that you know certainly only some people are actually ready to go back to the office today so about 41 percent of people um, said they're ready to go back which is you know less than half um which mm-hmm. is interesting and then, when you look at okay, you know how many people are confident that their company is actually going to have a well thought out strategy? It's only it's still fifty four percent of folks, right? So, I think there's a lot of work for companies to do to to convince you know their employees that this is that they have a well thought out strategy, that it is going to change based on conditions, and that it, it, obviously. People did a great job, just to be clear, adapting to this remote work model. I think one of the, the big stories of the pandemic from a workplace perspective is just how resilient people are, how, how with so little preparation, people were just able to so successfully navigate the transition, but that we're arguably going to have a, an even more difficult transition to this hybrid model, which is not, to be clear, not just a single model, right? It's this entire continuum of different, different strategies. And I think that because there's so much uncertainty, not only do companies need to have a good plan moving forward, again, to, to increase that confidence, but that undoubtedly people are going to get things wrong and some of these strategies won't work. And that I, I think a core part of these strategies, and you see this in the survey as well, is that it needs to adapt as the situation changes. As people come back in, if it turns out, hey, we thought three days a week was was going to be uh, was going to work, but actually it should be two days, or maybe it should be four days, and we're just going to try something else. That I, I think that sort of an adaptability and that transparency, that's that's I think really why you know the survey results are what they are. I mean, you would see this in some of the comments as well. Just the fact that it seemed like companies were making decisions by the seat of their pants or the experience of a few executives, and maybe one internal survey, but that they really want to see more um, in terms of, well, why are we making some decisions? And if it's not working, why isn't it working?
1: Exactly. You know, that's a nice segue to my next question, Ben. As we approach the second half of 2021, and we're almost there, and continue to dive into the data you've developed, what do you think's in store for the future of work?
0: I do think it's this really exciting time for workplace strategy in general, because I feel like pre-pandemic, there was this real convergence across companies to you know, a very limited number of ways of working, and that people were increasingly trying to fit every single team into the same box, into the same sort of strategy, and that model has essentially been blown up. And so what I think we're going to see over the next couple of years is, frankly, a I don't want to say chaos, but let's say a high degree of variance. I think that so many people are trying so many different types of models, and no one really knows what's going to work. And I think you see this, you know, not just in the survey in terms of people have many different reasons that they want to go back to the office, right? I mean, 70% of people want to go back for the core reason of communicating with other people, but 63% of people, you know, so huge, there's some overlap, obviously, here, also want to go back for focused work. Those things are, you know, somewhat in—it was in conflict, but they—they they have different different workplace strategies will make those things more or less easy. At the same time, we saw pretty significant changes in how people collaborate when they moved to to work from home. You know, in that, you know, really there was, of course, this increase in hours people work during the work week. But more importantly, there was really this increase in silos within organization, a lot less exploration across um, different teams and that that's really concerning but so you have all these different companies trying different strategies and I think that you know it's become generally accepted that this hybrid model is the future but but hybrid is not like the single thing. It's not right. the same as just remote worker in the office all the time And so I really think that you know the future is is a huge number of models coming up that companies will continually rotate through. I mean, and I think that would have been healthy pre-pandemic, but certainly now that people have shown that they are resilient enough to change how they work very quickly, companies that are best able to make use of that are going to be increasingly successful. And so eventually that
1: sort of constant change will be the dominant model. Exactly. Fascinating times ahead as companies experiment and, and roll out different methods of approaching this. Corporate
0: real estate organizations face disruptive challenges. This requires an objective lens and an innovative view of the work, workforce and workplace. Through a data driven and market tested approach, Deloitte's real estate and location strategy services provide leaders with knowledge to navigate decisions. To find out more, email usrealestateandlocationstrategy@deloitte.com.
1: at Now I'd like to pick up on a, on a point you just made there collaboration. So that's crucial to the workplace. So here's my question. Do you find that there's a collaboration barrier that comes from uh, working at home? And if so, do you have any advice for our listeners on how collaboration can improve as workers, perhaps even us here today, continue to work from home?
0: This is an interesting thing because in some places there are barriers and in some places those barriers have been stripped away. And maybe I'll start with the second part first because it's it, a lot of this was actually counter to, I'd say, my intuition, at least pre-pandemic, where there has been more collaboration across different levels of the hierarchy than there was previously. Leave the exact numbers. It's something, it's a little bit over 10% more interaction of sort of cross, cross-level cross collaboration, right? So it's not just you with your manager, it's with you know people two levels above you, things like that. And, and you could hypothesize that this is because a lot of the status symbols that would exist in a physical office, say, like, I have a corner office, I have a private office, that's stripped away, right? None none of us have that. Mm -hmm. And so people are less maybe inhibited towards actually going to proactively reaching out to people that they would have wanted to, at least in their part of the organization. Again, the flip side of that is, and I I just mentioned this to your point, there is a lot less collaboration, about 21% less collaboration across again, across teams, across these formal organizational structures. So there's people are spending a lot more time with their close collaborators. For near-term, you know, sort of just output, that is useful. You need to talk to people on your team to get your work done for this week. However, for the medium to long-term, for coordination across very large projects and milestone attainment to innovation, creativity, that those same patterns will lead to groupthink and just frankly, really low long-term performance. And so I think that that is one of the real challenges there. Again, there are good things that can come on average from working remotely, but that on average, you also see these other challenges to the long-term performance of the organization. All of this, and I just wanna make a very important point, all of this is sort of probabilistic in that it is not impossible, and there are exceptions in our data to these general averages. There are some divisions, there are some teams, that saw more exploration working remotely than others, than when they were in the office. However, if you have to make a bet, if you say, okay, give me this team and tell me, do you think they're, they're moving to work remote? Do you think that they will communicate more with other teams? You'd say, no, right? That's where you should put your money down. And I think that's how people should think about all this. There are going to be exceptions and that part of what we can do, again, is use data to find these exceptions, but that on average, these are the things that we see. Okay,
1: now just picking up on a, a theme that's uh, threaded through a number of your responses here, Ben. Data. Why is data so critical when it comes to an organization's back-to-work strategy?
0: It, I mean, it gets to what I guess we were just discussing in that there, are, you know, even with our data, right? These are averages, and so I could say, okay, an average that what would make it easier to work from? It would be easier if you work from home two days a week. If the one day a week you're in the office. You know, you spend more time on socialization, on probably, you know, still meetings, but maybe meetings with people on other teams, like that would be helpful. But that is a sort of general statement. The exact context of a particular team or division or company and their strategy is going to be different. And what that means is that to really understand, hey, did this team actually work, work better from our perspective in terms of they got more focused work done, or maybe they did actually reach out to other teams more? Did that happen here? How should that map onto the workplace strategy of that team? That has to be driven by data because people have, people don't really have that individual, that perspective, right? That me as an individual, I'm working from home. And so I I can tell, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm communicating with the people that I need to, to get my job done today or this week. If you see like, again, this degradation of weak ties, this this real reduction in, Reaching out to people that you don't talk to that often. These are things where, again, if you used to talk to someone five minutes a week, right? Maybe you bumped into them by coffee machine every week, and now you talk to them for five minutes. You know, you're in let's say one thirty-minute meeting with them and say five other people once a month. Do you really notice that difference? Like you don't really notice that difference as an individual, but that if you look at the collaboration data, you could see that that's actually a very significant change. And those effects over large organizations are extremely strong. And so it's not to say, again, you shouldn't use those perceptions. That is helpful, again, it's like the survey shows, it gives you a sense of how people are feeling. But that, that needs to be used in tandem with data about how different parts of the organization are actually collaborating so that you can, first off, make a pretty good initial decision about what that workplace strategy should be. But then invariably, their work will change over time. And that means that the strategy also needs to change. And so the data can help indicate that, but then also as you, you tell a certain team, hey, we know you've been working remotely, let's say three days a week for the next month, it actually looks like it's going to be better to come in four or five days a week. And to have actual hard numbers about why that is totally changes the discussion compared to if you're saying, we're, we're making this decision because we feel like it's best. Well, people could argue about that, but people can't argue that here are the actual collaboration patterns that are happening.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. That's why it's crucial to have that information. And now, Ben, my last question, just tying all this together, what do you think are the the key trends, the big picture trends, looking at all this in the industry related to the workplace and to remote work?
0: I do think there is this general consensus that the office is a place really for collaboration first. And for learning and for mentoring is something that I think a lot of folks were saying even pre-pandemic, and that that is really what a lot of people are focusing on today. It's not to say that there isn't a place for focus heads-down work in the office, but that certainly that is something that people have been able to do very well at home, unless unless you have kids. And there's actually a lot of good data on that. And I have kids, and they haven't interrupted me, so that's very good. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think there, there is that nice distinction. I mean, I think the other thing is that there is an acknowledgement that no one knows what they're doing, right? We all have hypotheses. Right. <laughs> we all have guesses. And I think that's really healthy because then we can be wrong. We can say, hey, you know what? We tried two days a week and that's not working. So we're going to try something else. And maybe that won't work either, but we're going to try and we're going to learn from that. And I think that shouldn't just be true of workplace. It's really about um, just management in general. Right, that we could say we could pretend that this process is gonna make us more effective, or you know, we're gonna install Slack and that's gonna make us more productive. But we don't know. It's it's a guess. But that when you admit that and then when you say we're going to actually revisit this, we're going to use you know data to help understand that impact. And then when it's not working, we're going to very quickly make a change. People have shown that they can adapt that at that speed. And I think I I still think that a lot of companies aren't going to probably over the next year or two adapt as quickly as they could. I think you're going to see a lot of people get a lot of stuff wrong probably over the next, you know, six months to a year, and then probably take another six months to a year to change. But there'll be a few organizations that say every quarter start actually changing. And I think that that is going to become more and more common. And I think this whole spectrum of hybrid work is going to become more and more well understood about what these different decisions do. And that it's not going to be that, hey, this whole single company, we're just in this one model, but There's going to be dozens and dozens of models deployed in different parts of the company. And so we're going to get a lot more targeted um, than we were before.
1: Okay. Fascinating future ahead for corporate real estate in the workplace, for sure. Uh, Ben, it's been great talking with you, as always. I'd like to, again, thank you for sharing all these helpful insights with Cornet Global. I really enjoyed it. This concludes this episode of What's Next?, Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.